Welcome to episode number 42 of the Beers and Bible Park. Dad, come <laughs> Gotta start over. <laughs> Leaving that in. Gosh. Ugh. Got tongue-tied just doing the intro. That's the kind of day it's gonna be. Alright. Take two. Dream big, this boy gonna make it. Step tall, there's a higher road you're taking. Let go of everything that you know. And be wild in the mystery. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 42 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I'm Patrick. And I am Rick. And we're trying to record extra episodes. Yeah, we're trying to get ahead of the game here. Some some of us are going on vacation in a few weeks, so... That's right, we have vacation coming up. Well, by the time this comes out, vacation won't be long gone. That's why we're recording it now. <laughs> yeah, so... So, if we seem a little more discombobulated than usual, then that's why. Is that even possible, though? I... Where we're gonna find out, I think. <laughs> so what's going it's on, Greg? What's going on? Man, it is uh I'll tell you what. Um by the time this comes out it'll it'll be somewhat back to normal, but we had our church had our first kind of like live corporate worship today. Mm-hmm. And it felt so good to be back in like gathering with the church today. I'm, I mean we weren't so we did uh, uh last week we did one, but it was just like a little mock, it wasn't really a worship service. Um uh, it was just kind of a Sunday afternoon gathering thing that we did. This was the first actual worship service that mm-hmm. we have done uh, live in two months, almost two and a half months. So it was good. How about you, man? Um, our church is still doing the online thing. They haven't really given us a an idea of when they're going to uh, get back to having people in, in corporate worship. Whoops, hit the mic. Um, but, you know. I think one challenge of our church is just the size of it is mm-hmm. it's a little more difficult to coordinate when you have a lot of people in your church. It's, it's d- much more challenging yet. There's a yes. lot more to navigate for sure. That is true. That is very true. So one more reason to keep continuing to pray for your church leaders during this time. Yes. And so. no matter, no matter what size church you have, every, every pastor, every, a lay leader they're feeling that pressure to to lead well to lead properly to follow um god's calling for each their church individually but then also to listen to whatever the local government is telling them to do so yes so well there you go well uh patrick what beer do we have today on tap slash can so today we're going uh we're revisiting the duclaw brewery, brewery. we've had a couple of duclaws 
Uh, we've, uh, we did uh, Dirty Little Freak from Duclaw. Uh, it's been a while. And then we did Sweet Baby Jesus from Duclaw. The names of Duclaws, I think, are what are drawing us to them. <laughs> That's um, true. They do have good names. So today we are reviewing the Strawberry Letter 23 Tart Strawberry IPA from Duclaw Brewing Company based in Baltimore, Maryland. So this is going to be a tart. Um, it's an IPA, you know, it's a sour IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, can ABV is seven point one percent, and uh, I don't know if IBUs are on the can, but the website says that um, it's only twelve IBUs. So when I read that, I was kind of like, well, but it's a tart, so shouldn't it be much more bitter than that? But I guess tart and bitter are two different concepts. Yeah, I, got, I, I mean, I think so. I, I like sour candy, but I don't like bitter candy. So, I mean, I guess there's that. Um, I guess bitter would. I, think, I guess bitter would be like licorice. licorice. And sour would be like Sour Patch Kids. That's what I think. And I do. Which I love I know, sour I was about to say, kids. I know you could throw <laughs> down some Sour Patch Kids. So I've been known to throw down Sour Patch Kids in my day. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is, I mean, this actually is a cool, this is the first Duke Law we've had out of a can. The other two we've had have yes, been in bottles. that's correct. Um, and so this is just a basic can. The the late, the logo or whatever on it looks like a mail like stamp. A, like a stamp, yeah. For a letter. And so I'm not sure the significance of letter 23, strawberry letter 23. So when I did like a quick, let me pull it back up. So strawberry, oh, strawberry letter 23. Is uh-huh. a song by the Brothers Johnson that was recorded okay. in 1977. Um, I mean, there's some other recordings that have that have happened, but that's the like the big one that comes up, and it's a funk song. So okay, um, so we're going for the funk tonight or today or whatever time it is. Uh, this okay. So here's here's why it's called Strawberry Letter 23. It's because the premise of the song is that a couple is exchanging love letters in musical form. The singer is creating Strawberry Letter 23 as a reply to the song he has received from his lover, and he refers to her previous message as Strawberry Letter 22 when replying. So I guess it's just the... Number 23. Yeah. So There you go. The can says um, it was sealed with a kiss, so I don't know who's kissing the cans up there at Duclaw, but thanks for that. Appreciate um, it. Hope you didn't yeah. put Corona on it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um... So mine was, I think we should crack them open. Yeah. I'm excited what about you it. Say? I was going to say, mine was canned like last July. Mine was canned March of 2020. So I, I don't know how I managed to get some from like before coronavirus was Dude, even a thing. But I'm going to have to remember to use this hashtag on this episode. They put on the bottom of the can hashtag liquid love. So mine says hashtag red magic. Dude. All right, we're, 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 I'm actually going to have to make actual show notes to remember that. Man, actually, <laughs> hang on, because I've got two cans here, one in my, like, okay, that one says Red Magic too. Okay, so I don't know if that's, like, a, came from a certain line or, like, in the brewery or something. But I don't know. This one says hashtag liquid love, though. Well, all right, then. There you go. So let's crack them open, cover yeah. them up, and, uh, and see how they taste. Do we want a pre-rate or no? Let's do it. Let's do a pre-rate. So, I know that I am not particular fan of IPAs and sours. So, I feel like I'm going to go low on this one. But, I also do like... So, one of my... And the reason I actually bought this one was because my wife likes the strawberry abita. 
which is not an IPA, but it is kind of like a summer ale. And so I just wanted to try it for to see if she would like it. She she did try it, and, and I'm going to reserve that for later. But I think I'm going to come in at three Luthers on this one. Okay. Um, because I typically like bitter stuff, um, even though this is a tart and not a bitter, um, I think I'm going to come in a little higher. I'm going to pre-rate you a little, pre-rate a little higher at three and a half. Three just, and a half. Just to... Just so that we're not the same all the time. Yes. Because <laughs> we are the same all the time. We so. have been. We have been. So, and, and I fear that I might be a little bit lower, but we'll see what happens. So, here we go. Let's crack them open. One, two, three. Go. The initial smell is pretty good. Yeah, that's not, that's not bad at all. Actually, so, it reminds me a little, it, it reminds me of the flesh and blood. But a little bit like fruitier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's pour it up and see what it that. looks like. Looks good. So the website says that it should be straw yellow with a pink hue. I would agree with that. And I didn't it's... pull a glass right out of the freezer this week, so it's not like overly <laughs> heady. It it looks pretty good. Just off the color. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice, the it's got the, the haze that you would expect on an IPA. Yours has a different tint, I think, than mine. Like, yours looks a little more it pinkish. Looks, but it might be because of that. Oh, uh, maybe so. Yeah, it's closer, I guess. It's close. <laughs> it does look good. I'm not, I'm... The smell... It smells like an IPA. It smells like an IPA, which, I mean, I have admitted on the podcast that IPAs have started to grow on me a little bit mm-hmm. um, through the podcast, trying multiple different ones and that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm still not a huge fan, but they're just not as bad as I thought they were. It's not a complete so, and, it, and I'm definitely smelling like, it smells like a tart strawberry. Like you, yeah. like you know a strawberry that's hasn't quite gotten to that like sweet spot yet? Mm-hmm. It's what it smells like. Yes, which I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to taste like a pre-ripe strawberry. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's uh, let's turn them up and let's get this rating underway. This is the letter strawberry letter twenty three from Duclaw Brewing. Bottoms up. It is definitely tart. <laughs> That's really different. <laughs> But, dude, I think you're going to go higher on your rating. Okay, so, okay, so here's, here's, the, here's what I'm experiencing. The initial was like, I don't know what to expect. And then as I was, like, tasting it and swallowing it, I experienced one thing. And then the aftertaste is a completely different experience. Yes, the aftertaste is definitely different on this one. It almost tastes like a, almost like a cider. To begin with, it's got that that sting, I guess you would call it, of mm-hmm. a cider. It tastes very um, much like a like an Angry Orchard, or mm-hmm. it actually tastes like there's a there's a cider company in Atlanta. I think it's just the Atlanta Cider Company or something like that. Like that's how, like that's how simple it is. The initial taste tastes just like one of the ciders that they have. Yeah, but that aftertaste is so like. Pungent. It is like it's. I don't know. I don't know if I like it or I don't like it yet. I haven't decided. 
because the flavor of this is good. Like just the just kind of that initial flavor, strawberry flavor mm-hmm. that you get is good. Um, and the aftertaste that I'm getting doesn't hit until like long after you've swallowed. Yeah, it's almost like a taste left in your mouth. Like you can mm-hmm. just taste the beer in your mouth after you've swallowed it, and two or three seconds later. Okay, so you said that your wife uh, tried this one. Why don't, yes, you, why, don't you, why don't you share her experience with it? So her review of this, I, I, I stuck one in the refrigerator and I told her I got this and I wanted her to try it because she likes the Abita strawberry. So um, she sent me a text in the middle of the day and she was like, this one gets one Luther. And I was like, really? Is it that bad? And she's like, I had to add sweetener to it. And I was like, well, it's a tart. So it's, I mean, you, you mm-hmm. expect it to be tart to begin with. Um and she's like, she's like, it's got me puckering real bad. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, uh, I had to laugh because she, I, I love that my wife now will send me when she tries a new beer. She'll be like, yeah, this one's three Luthers, and I'm like, she rates the rates the beers mm-hmm. now. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll go first because I think I feel like you're still thinking about it, and and I think I'm I think I'm where I need to be on this one. Um. This is surprisingly not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I honestly expected it to be a little bit lower than three, um, but I wanted to give it a little bit of benefit of the doubt. So um, the flavor of this one is actually really good. Um, It does have a good kind of strawberry IPA mix in there. Mm -hmm. Um, The strawberry to me actually makes the IPA a little bit better to me. Um, the one thing I don't like is that stinging tart. I'm not a huge cider fan. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that kind of stinging tart is, is a, it's a negative for me. It may not be a negative for you, but it's, it's a negative for me. Um, so I'm going to stay right where I was because we kind of have this offsetting. It's not, there's some areas where I don't like it, but then there's other areas where I have been surprised and it's a little bit better Mm -hmm. than I thought. Yeah. So I'm going to stay at three Luthers. This is, this is actually good and i would say for this one three luthers is pretty good for me Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna say three luthers uh on a scale of one to five this is good uh i may not enjoy these i'm you know i'm gonna drink the rest that i have uh but i probably i don't know that i'll ever go buy it again Uh, Mm um but it is it is a pretty good beer the flavor of it is pretty good it's just a little too tart for me so three luthers on a scale of one to five so i had not I think I'd had, like, one sip of a tart one time, and I was not a huge fan of it, but it might have been the the brewery or the flavor. Like, some, there are some other uh, factors that mm-hmm. played into that. Um, as far as the this one, I think I'm going to come in at four Luthers. That's, that's kind of where I'm – that's where I'm landing. Um the the flavor was a pleasant surprise Mm -hmm. um and really it's not to me the tartness isn't an issue um the it's you know and it's not so bit like it's it's a weird almost dichotomy dichotomy (laughs) i can't even talk (laughs) because you know it is a tart but like I feel like it's still a relatively smooth experience. Yeah. <clears throat> I like that. That's what I'm feeling anyway. Like, so it's this weird, like the flavor profile is, is pretty tart, but it's not like a rough, mm. uh, textured beer. 
This is the Sour Patch Kids of beer. Dude, I bet if you put some Sour Patch Kids in this, <laughs> they might be pretty good. Lit. Um, because Sour Patch Kids are, are tart at first, and then they're sweet when you're done. Yeah, the only thing that this has that Sour Patch Kids doesn't is that aftertaste, which is like... Yeah. At first, I was a little not crazy about it, but the more I drink it... Like, I've already drank half of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm starting to like it a little bit. Yeah. So... I'm going to come in at four Luthers out of five. Okay. Um, just a little higher than what I pre-rated it. It's pretty good. I, if you like, um, if you like fruit flavored beers, if you like tarts, I, I do agree with you. If you're a cider fan, you're probably going to like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's something different. It's, you know, the, the reds and the angry orchards of the world are, they do what they do and they do it well. Yeah. Um, this is a brewery that is stepping out and trying some other stuff. So I think it's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna slide in at four Luthers, and if you like ciders, um, I do think if you're an IPA fan, you're you are gonna like this because it is yeah. it's tart not it's tart not bitter. Mm-hmm. So like when you drink it, don't expect a bitter experience. Experience yeah. expect a tart experience. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely tart, which which I can handle tart a little bit better than I can handle bitter. Yeah. Um, you know, if this were bitter and tart, like if it were a true sour, mm-hmm. I would probably be way lower than, than three Luther yeah. this thing. Yeah. Um but all in all, I mean it's it's good. It is uh if you enjoy that style of beer, if you enjoy that IPA tart style, then you're you will enjoy this. So so for me that's just where it is. Patrick comes in at four. I'm sting, I'm gonna stick to my three. Uh and Duclaw, man, you you guys are you guys do a really good job over there, so keep up the good work. Keep up with uh with the 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 beers that you're making and come out with some new ones. And yeah, anything else to add on that one? No, except the only thing I gotta add is this is the lowest I've rated a Duclaw beer. Oh four oh yeah. that's right. The other two were four and a half. I had a actually I rated one five. I rated the oh, did dirty you? little freak five. Mm. That's right. I forgot about that one. So Duclaw, good work. You've gotten some good. This is the so Duclaw. I think is in the lead for the most amount of beers that we've done from one brewery. Yeah, this would be three. Not that they're not really trying. It's just kind of happened that way. <laughs> That's true. We're really we're really bound by finding what we can. You know what we can and what we both can uh, get our hands on. Yeah. And because well, craft beer is is such a you know local thing anyway. Mm-hmm. That if you're in if you're in different parts of the country, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of different different beers and yeah. So uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's where we are, and that's the Duclaw Strawberry Letter Twenty Three uh, from Duclaw Brewing. And now we're going to move on to Packer, and we're going to talk about marriage, and we're going to talk about the family. And within the next couple of weeks, we are going to finish part three of Packer's Concise Theology. So we are. We are trucking along and getting this finished. So let's move on to Packer's Concise Theology. You screwed that up. We're talking spiritual gifts and marriage. Oh, dang it. Okay, let me go back and do that again. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to Packer, and we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and marriage. Uh, and then this is going to lead us into a discussion about the family for the next week or two. Uh, and then we're going to be done with part three. So we are trucking along with Packer and... Uh, Here we go, into spiritual gifts and marriage. 
All right, you started us, so I'm going to bring us back. Beep, 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 beep. Welcome back. Uh, we are glad that you have stayed with us here into Packers Concise Theology. We're going to talk tonight, today, about spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk about marriage. Uh, marriage has been a pretty hot topic in society lately, so we, we might step on a few toes uh, with that subject, but, you know. We're drinking beer, so why are we? I mean, we're basically stepping on people's toes anyway. Yeah, as far as the church is concerned, yeah, stepping on toes. I mean, maybe not a great way to to put that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, there are, there are some things that the Bible says about marriage, and we'll get to it here in a little bit. But the Bible says about marriage that society has said that's not how, or that's not how they want marriage to to work yes. or, or whatever. So but we'll get to it when we get to it. Let's talk about spiritual gifts first. Let's do it. So what are spiritual gifts, Patrick? Uh, so spiritual gifts um, are just any uh, medium by which the Holy Spirit equips the church to um, do the work in the will of God. I thought spiritual gifts were when Creflo Dollar got his new airplane. That is just a gift. <laughs> but it was given to him by spiritual people, right? Sure. <laughs> that's not how that works. Spir- that's not spir- how that works. Spiritual gifts are gifts given to us by God to you uh for use um to further the gospel. Yes. So here's the thing about spiritual gifts. Every believer, every person really, has some type of gift gift that God has bestowed on them. Mm-hmm. So um, take, for example, the worship team. They have the spiritual gift of music. That's a very public gift. Your pastor, hopefully he has the spiritual gift of teaching and preaching. I hope so. Um, hopefully your staff have the spiritual gifts of uh, pastoral care. Hopefully they have the spiritual gift of leadership. Um, all of these are spiritual gifts, and, and you can really nail this down uh, in First Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about, you know, uh, one person is a hand, another person is an eye, and the the eye can't say to the foot, you know, you're not doing your job right because the eye doesn't know what the foot's job is, and and um and it, it's really done in the context of unity, um and when we realize that our spiritual gifts should unify us, uh then we have a correct view of spiritual gifts, and yep. and exactly what you said is spiritual gifts are for the furthering of the gospel and therefore the edification of the church. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a gift, if you are really good at math, then by all means, you know, join the finance team, help the finance team and say, here's ways that we can better prove, better improve and better use the, the money that God has allowed us to have, the money that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really good at administration and leadership, you know, maybe there are things you can do to help coordinate teams at the church and help coordinate uh, events at the church. Um However that plays out, whatever your strengths are, that is where your gifts need to be used. And so, you know, churches churches have a tendency to find somebody with a spiritual gift and put them in charge of everything mm-hmm. when that's not necessarily their gift. And then they end up getting upset with that person because that person is trying to operate outside of their spiritual giftedness. Yeah, that, that's the I, and the frustration works both ways, I think. I think for the 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 person who's in that position that they shouldn't be in, they're frustrated because they have all these expectations set upon them. 
but they yeah. don't know how to do the things that they've been asked to do because they're not gifted in that way. And then on the flip side, the church is like, well, we thought you were gifted and could yeah. and could and could at least figure it out and why isn't it working? So it's important when you talk about spiritual gifts to make sure that the people you're putting in positions of influence or positions of authority have the gifts necessary for those positions. You mm-hmm. wouldn't put a, um, you wouldn't put someone without, you know, and it's not really a spiritual gift, but like God gives people to get the public speaking. You wouldn't give somebody without that gift a role where that puts them in a position where they're going to be up in front of a lot of people teaching and preaching. True. Unless his name is Moses. <laughs> then you might. <laughs> Moses had a stutter. So, <laughs> and, and he had to talk to Israel quite often. But I, yeah, that's I mean, if if you have somebody who is obviously not gifted in an area, don't try to thrust them into an area where they're not gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, a, a lot of times, and and honestly, uh, I've never heard anybody talk about it, but I sure wish they would. You know, the the gift of communication to me should be a spiritual gift because there are people who are really good at just communicating, mm-hmm. communicating across lines, and and being a bridge for people and being a way to say. Here's what I think you mean. Here's what I think you're trying to say. They're 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 able to interpret people's intentions and their feelings, mm-hmm. um, and they're able to, to communicate that verbally so that other people can understand it. Yeah. Um, because honestly, a lot of times the reason uh, we get frustrated with people in the church is because we say something, and people take us to mean something else. We're like, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all, and it feels like we're not communicating. Right. And so, you know. There, there is an aspect of church because we are all sinful people, because we are all fallen. Um, we're going to struggle to communicate with each other. And that's why you have to be extra on guard and be extra careful to say, okay, what's the benefit of the doubt? What can I think this person means that's positive? Instead of instantly going to a negative route a lot of times, right. how can we interpret interpret the actions of another person in a positive light. And then if we can't say, Hey man, I'm really struggling with something that you said or something that you did. Is this what you intended? Mm. Um, you know, but it's a, it's, it's a whole lot easier for us to just, you know, sit back in our corners and go, well, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. And that this person does that, this person does that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they obviously can't do anything, thing right so we don't need to trust them anyway and mm-hmm. and you know it's something that i'm guilty of it's something that everybody's guilty of mm-hmm. uh and so how can we better combat that other than to say communicate communicate with people be open be honest and be willing to take that communication back because if you're right. going to be honest with people they're going to be honest with you back and you have to be willing to accept that yeah it's a good point it's a good word so that's, uh, you know, spiritual gifts are fun. Um, everybody wants the spiritual gift of, you know, music or preaching because those seem to be the big ones. Well, you know, they're not as fun as they look. I can, you know, I can tell you that. I've been on both sides of the fence uh, mm-hmm. on, on one that is being on the musician side and also being not on the musician side and uh, having to deal with musicians and, and uh, all their little diva attitudes and, and all of that. You know, and, Isn't that the worst? It really is. Musicians are a bunch of divas, and I say that because I'm a musician. So, yeah. okay, so so I think maybe it might be good to just talk about this for a minute. And Packard doesn't really hit on this, but I was thinking about it. So, 
I think a lot of people get the idea of, and this might be why it's hard to like differentiate between the two, but the idea of spiritual gifts versus the fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. I feel like people get the like those two concepts mixed up. Absolutely, they do. And you know, in my mind, like fruits of the spirit are like in the belie- in the life of a believer, every fruit of the spirit should be present. There's not like some that should be like some that should or you're not exempt from certain right. fruits of the spirit yeah. because of your personality. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for thank you for putting into words what was in my head. Um, but when it comes to spiritual gifts, like each believer has a specific set of spiritual gifts. Yes, that is unique to them. Yes, and what's unique to Rick is not going to be identical to Patrick or our wives or anyone else. So, you know how do we how do we make sure that we're not confusing the two? So. You know, one of the things that, that I like to, to kind of, as a rule of thumb, say is that every believer should exemplify the fruits of the Spirit to the best of their ability, okay? Now, there are going to be some people that, because they have the gift of leadership, that they, you know, they struggle in the area of patience, you know, because a lot of times leaders are... I want to go, 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 go. I want to do, I want to push. I want to, you know, that's what a leader is a lot of times. And so, you know, patience is an, is an, a fruit of the spirit that he's probably going to have to, to focus on or be uh, sensitive to. Um, and so if, if, and if you don't know, so what we're talking about here is the difference between Galatians five and, and, uh, first Corinthians 12. So Galatians five says the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nine of them. All right, um, the fruits of the spirit, or what Paul talks about, where he relates everything is, you know, you're a hand, you're an eye. The eye is made for seeing. The hand is made for grabbing. The foot is made for moving. Um, you have all, of, yeah, spirit. These are what did I say? Fruits of the you spirit. You said fruit of the spirit twice. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. The spiritual gifts, uh, you know, are these different? They have different functions. A hand can't be a foot. A foot can't be an eye. An eye can't be a tongue, and a tongue can't be a arm. You know, and and so. You have these different areas, but all of us together can show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can all do those things. Mm -hmm. And so we have to say, where are my specific giftedness? Where am I gifted as a believer? And how can I incorporate the fruits of the Spirit into my giftedness? And, And honestly, when I talk about people who are really good at communicating, that generally is people who have learned to do that. Um People who have learned to uh, be self-controlled, and, and you know, you typically find these in people who don't, you know, fly off the handle at the at the slightest little thing. Um, they're not people who are prone to rash behavior. And I don't want to say rash behavior like that's like you know, somebody's bipolar or something. But it's more more along the lines of you know, people don't blow up because something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. They're they're a little bit more well thought. They're a little bit more well planned. And typically when people like that speak, you, you have a tendency to listen to them mm-hmm. because they don't speak up often, but when they do speak up, it's usually pretty good wisdom. And so you, you make, you make it a point to listen to those kind of people. And, and, you know, it's funny because, um, typically a lot of times preachers are not the people we most listen to when it comes to 
wisdom about leadership and that kind of, they'll, they'll listen to them when we talk about the Bible and they'll listen to them when we talk about applying God's word to our life. But when it comes to direction, a lot of times you'll have a second or third tier pastor or an associate pastor who just offers a bit of wisdom and you're, you're kind of like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it almost seemingly comes out of left field, but when it comes out of left field, you're like, that makes absolutely so much sense that I cannot say anything to refute it or to, mm-hmm. or to even discuss it. He is exactly right. Right. You know? Um, and so, so that's what we look for in these people is, is their giftedness along with the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and they are complementary in a lot of ways and, and we need to interpret them as complementary because, you know, if you are if you are a staff member who flies off the handle or who says things and then responds with, well, that's just my personality or responds with something like, well, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You're not showing the fruits of the spirit. So I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, it, it's the Bible says you should not do it that way. I don't, right. I don't care if that's your personality. The Bible says you should not do it that way. So stop doing it that way. Exactly. You know, um, and that that's going to be hard for some church staff people to hear. Mm-hmm. In general, like you know, it is because because I think especially in our in our culture now, there's so much emphasis put on this idea that like I am who I am, and it's just who I am, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Yeah, well, and, we've, and even in the church, it's a whole lot of like, well, God made me this way. God, made, yeah. God made me to be to fly off at you know to freak out over the smallest little thing or to be set in my ways, and I can't change kind of thing. Yeah. You can change because the power of the Holy Spirit can change you. Yeah. And if it's so, it's a part of you that needs to change, then then that that's part of sanctification, and that's mm-hmm. you know, it it should never be an excuse because here's the here's the thing, and I'm and I'm going to go way politically correct right here. If you're if you're going to tell a homosexual that they can't say that God made them that way, then you can't say that God made you that way. Exactly. You you, you can't use that excuse to cover up a character flaw in your life. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard uh, people say that about about you know, well, I have I have anger issues, and and that's just the way God made me, and you have to not push my buttons. Well, no, you have to learn how to control your buttons. Yeah, you know that's that's part of sanctification. Just the yeah. same way that a homosexual who struggles with homosexual uh, attractiveness has to learn how to deal with that attractiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to learn how to control your anger. And so, you know, it's, it, it, it's when we get inside the church, we make excuses for so many people because they're on staff, you know, that's just the way that person is. Well, we don't accept it from this other staff person. So why do we accept it from this staff person? Because they have a specific giftedness. Uh, we're stepping on toes. We're not even to marriage yet. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't know, you know, this, this is what happened, but the reality is churches do that mm-hmm. you know you have you have a specific staff person who may be particularly good at something um and 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 i'll be honest you know it's happened to me people have not wanted to say something to me because i have a particular gift or i'm good at something and they don't want to upset me you know what if i'm doing something wrong tell me please tell me yeah. because i don't want to do it wrong i want to do it right yeah the, i think the the whole misnomer is that People with certain skill sets are unapproachable for whatever reason. Yeah. If they have, yes. you know, if they've got that personality where they seem like they're going to freak out if you, you know, 
I, I hear so many people say things like, I, I thrive on constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, then, why are people scared to offer constructive criticism to you? Yes. Like, some, like, there's some disconnect there. So, a lot of times, I feel like people in the church or on church staff will say things like, I thrive on constructive criticism, but as soon as you point something out to them, whether it's in how they use their gifts or how they treat other people or something that you see in their life that you're like, this doesn't line up with scripture at all. They're so quick to defend themselves. It's yes. like, so you really don't thrive on constructive criticism. You just want to say that so you can like beat your chest and say, well, look at me, how look how good I am. Because like, when people come to me, I listen to what they say when in reality they don't. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've all we've all met that person, you know, um, that you try to you try to say something nice to them and 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 say, hey, you know, I feel like you could do this better. Mm-hmm. And no matter how you say it, no matter how much love you incorporate into it, they interpret you as attacking them. You know, there, there's people who are always in attack mode, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what you say. And even if you say, okay, well, maybe. Maybe I did say that attacking, okay? Maybe it, let's, let's go benefit the doubt. Maybe I was attacking you. But the fact remains that this is an issue that we need to work with. So however I need to say it differently, I'll say it differently. But it's still, the point is still the same. Right. You know, there's an area of your life that I feel like needs to be fixed that does not align with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's, as long as you're going in with the authority of Scripture as your, your back, they shouldn't have a problem with what you say. They shouldn't have it. Now, let me, let me make sure I'm clear on that. They should not have a problem with what you say. They may take issue with how you say it, right. but they should not have a problem with what you say. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's important to remember both sides of that argument. You know, how you say something is just as important or more important than what you're actually saying. Yes, we, we've talked about several times in the last couple of weeks how to how to communicate with compassion and love. Yes. Speak the truth, but speak the truth in love, in a way that's going to get a get a get the response that you're looking for, or get the yes. response that is expected from what you're trying to tell them. Exactly. If you say the right thing the wrong way, you're still in the wrong. Yeah, I think about like the Westboro Baptist people. Like, yes, are they true in what they say? To an extent, sure. But the the manner with which they're doing it, yes, is the issue. And and I'll 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 give you a I'm going to give you a fresh example. So this I just saw this on uh, this was on Fox News Channel. Um, they were they were interviewing um, and and this is by no way an endorsement, but they were interviewing Pastor Robert Jeffress of First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas. Okay, and. They're talking about uh, they're talking about states opening up, and they're talking about how California has been a little bit uh, more intense than other states, and even to the point where Governor Gavin Newsom has has said basically everybody else can go back to normal except churches. We're gonna we're gonna shut down churches, and it's it he he is exactly right that Gav, that Gavin Newsom is singling out churches, and it and it is unconstitutional to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. He is exactly right in that area. But then he goes on to say something about there was a church that was burned down and it was obvious that it was arson. The people like spray painted in the parking lot. You'll stay home now, you hypocrites, because the church was meeting despite an order to stay home. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I now think I've seen that story. So 
and now I'm, I'm we're not here to talk about the church because I want to point to a, a statement that that Robert Jeffress said on live television, national television. He said, "People that burn down churches are going to rot in hell, and I hope they do." Now, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't care who you are, what you believe, mm-hmm. why you believe it. You do not say that you hope somebody burns in hell because that makes you not a minister of the gospel. Right. That makes you a minister of your personal preference and what you think ought to be happening. And, and, and so, you know, you can, I, and I partially agree with what Robert Jeffers said, but his rhetoric determined that the rest of what he said was null and void because he, he chose to single out something that did not need to be singled out. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he can say, man, it is terrible to burn down churches, and people who burn down churches are probably in a deep despair spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I will pray for them, and I pray that they come back to repentance and faith right. in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that should be our goal as Christians, and especially as pastors. If yep. you're a pastor and you hope somebody burns in hell, find a new line of work, please. Yeah. Please go find a new line of work. Sorry, that was a that was a little tangent. <laughs> no, but, but 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 you're right. If if uh, if a pastor, if a if God has given an individual the spiritual gift of communication and has put a person and a man is in a position of being a pastor, I'm trying to tie it back into spiritual gifts here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we the train derailed like a long time ago. So, yes, it did. <laughs> but so you know, if God has put somebody in that position. Their sole mission in life should be to see people respond to the gospel of Jesus. Yes. And, you know, I just did, like, a really quick research. Like, Robert Jeffress is, like, he's been on Fox News for a long time. Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's an like analyst or whatever. For I call him Captain America because he loves America more than he does uh, his church. I'm sorry. Whoa, hey, now. So, <laughs> should not have said that. Sorry. But anyway, so, but, you know. His his sole purpose should be to see people respond to Jesus. Yes. And it, you know, all other opinions, all other desires should fight, should fail away, fall away. Because he's a pastor, because that's he has such a yes. such a higher calling than yes a lay person, and even a lay person should not want to see anyone burn in hell and should never say that, but. As a pastor, that his responsibility carries so much more weight than like your typical, yes, person. his congregation and the people are going to see that. And here's, I mean, here's the thing: they're going to take his statements to the next logical step mm-hmm. because that's what happens when you when you're in that situation. I mean, there's a there is a direct co- correlation between Martin Luther and the Peasants' Rebellion of 1530, something like that, where like a hundred thousand people were killed because the peasants rose up and they just you know, they and, and because they were taking the things that Martin Luther said to its next logical step. Mm-hmm. And and so because he was saying that, you know, salvation is by grace alone and, and we need to buck the authority of the Catholic Church. They were like, well, what we need to do is we need to buck all authority. So, you know, all leadership needs to come down and, and anarchy is what ensued. And so you ended up with this peasants rebellion directly because of Martin Luther's rhetoric. Now, does does that put the blame on Martin Luther? No, I don't think it puts the blame exactly on Martin Luther. But it tells us, history records to us, that we have to be careful about what we say. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as much as preaching and teaching is a spiritual gift, so is self-control a fruit of the Spirit. 
And if you don't couple those two things together and know when it's wise to say something, when it's wise to teach people a certain way, then you're not using your spiritual gift correctly. Right. I'm, so I'm, I'm just thinking through the process of like, what if the people that burned down that church were like members of that church, like who have been there a long, long time, who didn't want to go back or didn't think it was necessary to go back yet? It, it might be. And, I that, mean, and it, how ridiculous would that would uh Jeffress look yeah you know and and do i believe that the people who burned down the church were were people in need of a savior and probably lost and dying and going to hell they probably are but you know what i'm not going to look at them and say i hope you burn in hell because you burned down a church because number one our hope is not in a building our Mm -hmm. hope is in jesus christ you can burn down my building you can burn down everything you're not going to burn down my faith Mm mm-hmm you know, and, and what he did in that moment was showed that his hope is in a building. It's in something physical. He's like a Pharisee in the New Testament yeah. who thought their ethnicity and their temples were going to save them. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, we're we're going way down that rabbit trail and we got to bring it back. <laughs> but so that to, to yeah. point to spiritual gifts and how do we tie spiritual gifts to our next topic, next topic, which is marriage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, what? So Packer Packer defines marriage, uh, and, and he says uh, matrimony is meant to be a permanent covenant relationship. Um, the, the, these actually do tie together because in marriage you have a covenant relationship, and in spiritual gifts, you are when you're talking about spiritual gifts, you're talking about the covenant relationship of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and keep in mind the last few weeks that we've been talking about have kind of been about this life of the church and, and what the makeup of the church is. And so in the church, you have spiritual gifts. Well, in a marriage, you also have gifts. You have um, what, what we would call the debate between complementarianism and egalitarianism. Okay. And so, so complementarianism says that men and women serve different roles they have different functions they are equal in dignity they are equal in identity before christ but they serve different functional roles in the life that they live so much like a musician serves a role in the church a pastor serves a role in a church a deacon serves a role in the church no one's, la- no one's role is higher than someone yeah. else's role yeah you, uh, as far as standing before christ the pastor is on the same level as the layperson but the pastor has different roles and responsibilities than the layperson does in the life of the church um and so that's that's where i i look at complementarianism as the correct view because it says each person has their specific role now where you step on toes is I, I would say that I believe the role of a pastor, the role of leaders in the church is specifically designated for men. That's where the egalitarians take issue because they say there are no roles. Everybody's equal. It's 100%. Anybody can do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I disagree with that because I believe that scripture lays out a pretty clear example. Now, does that mean the egalitarians don't have an argument from scripture? No, they actually do. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, you have female deacons. You have female leaders in the church. And so, you know, I think there is a discussion that needs to be had between, uh, you know, men and women in the church on, on where do we draw the line? What do we say is the scriptural line that needs to be drawn? Um, but that's, you know, that's for another day on that. But 
on on the marriage side of this, they would say that man and woman in a marriage are co-equal partners and they, they don't have roles. Uh, the man is not the leader. The woman is not the leader. They're a team that has to work together. Mm-hmm. And and I would disagree with that because I think Ephesians 5 is pretty clear um, when it says, you know, wives are to submit to their husbands. That's your role. That's your function. Um, just as uh, and, and then on the flip side of that, it also says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church that he gave right. himself up for her. So, right. you know, a lot of times women want to focus on the why don't want to submit and men want to focus on the, you know, you need to submit men. If we focused on loving our wives the way that Christ loved the church, they would submit. I don't think any woman would have an issue submitting in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, cause you're, you're not, it's not a, and, and we need to understand submission is not, you know, go make me a sandwich woman. You know, that's not the type of submission. This is not slavery style submission, right? This is a, I'm going to, I'm going to honor and I'm going to respect the leadership of my husband in our marriage and in our family. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, if, if I believe that he is praying and, and, you know, I'm married, you're married. We, we know several times that we've had discussions with our wives where we go, I need you to help me understand this. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that, that she's taking the leadership role, but it does mean that, that you value her opinion because you value her the same way that Christ loved the church. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and so understanding that, that relationship and understanding that submission is not necessarily a bad thing. As far as scripture is concerned. Right. As long as long as the male is as long as the man is doing is like leading from the as long as they're walking with walking in alignment uh, in alignment with God's will, as long as they're praying, as long as they're in God's word, mm-hmm. a wife should have no issue with submission. And, and yeah, and most of the time she won't. Right. And as long as the man is not like Hey, I read this in the Bible today. Like, like it should be a, it should be a, men should lead from a humble uh, place. It shouldn't be like yeah. a prideful leadership. It shouldn't be a, you know, scripture says do this, so do this. Yeah. Um. Well, look over and over at how Jesus led. Yeah. Jesus never led by commanding people to do things. Mm-hmm. This is not, I'm a king and, and y'all are my servants. Right. Jesus led by example all the way to the example of taking the death that we deserved as Christians. Mm-hmm. So, you know, apply that to your uh, to your walk there, men, and find out, you know, how can you, how can you better serve your wife? Because honestly, true leadership comes in service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people will not respect your leadership until they understand your service. That's why so many, when you hear about a great and effective leader, a lot of times you'll end up with stories like, man, I remember this time when this leader did this. I remember when he came down and helped us with that. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, and it was, it was this, this, uh, this dichotomy of leadership uh, of pushing and pulling whatever it is that you're leading on while also being in the trenches and serving and, and, and pulling these people with you saying, here, understand this, understand why we're doing this. Let me teach you. Let me help you. Let me serve you. And, and as you continue to grow, you're going to come along with me in this, in this thing that I'm leading. Mm-hmm. And so that relates, you know, that relates to marriage in the way that, that men and women should be relating in their, in their marriage covenant together. Right. What else? 
What else? Does, um, does... So something Packer wrote that I never really thought of, but it makes sense now that I think about it. So he wrote that um, God's ideal for marriage is that the man and the woman should experience mutual completion and share in his creative work of making new people. Like, I had never thought of that whole, like, when a man and wife come together and, and conceive a child, it's like we're sharing in the, like, creative process mm -hmm. of making a person. Yes. And it was, it's a really, it was a, a unique way for him to put that that I'd never really thought of before. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know if we it's it's uh you know obviously the purpose of marriage is is to be fruitful and multiply mm -hmm. um you know that's that's one of the commands in scripture that has never been rescinded um and you can have your debates over population control and you can have your debates over um you know we're we're killing the earth and and whatever whatever debates you want to have but the simple reality remains that god never rescinded be fruitful and multiply and so we are to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, you know, as believers, that's what we should do. And that's what we should encourage others to do, because that is a general common command to all of creation. Um, and so, so when you, when you talk about being fruitful and multiply, this, this is going to get us into an area and, and I'm, I'm going to step on some toes again, but this is going to get us into an area where, you know, I believe and, and I'm 90, I'm actually, I'm hundred percent sure that you believe, uh, that marriage is meant for one man and one woman. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it is specifically designed that way. It's a biological man and a biological woman. Um, it, it's, it's sad that we have to talk about this in this sort of way, but you know, this is the state of our culture. It's just the state of our society. Um, but we are unashamedly a pro biblical, uh, view on marriage and on family. And so, so we would say that marriage has to be between one man and one woman in the covenant between uh, the two with God. And, and outside of that, it is a unnatural view of marriage. Anything outside of that is an unnatural view of marriage. And, mm -hmm. and I, would, I would simply add that, that you know, we see these stories coming out where we, we hear about a same-sex couple having a baby. And I'm like, okay. Number one, no, they didn't. There's no way that two women or two men can have a baby. And I'm, I'm going to use my scare quotes, have a baby, um, without the aid of something else. Mm -hmm. So they're not doing it on their own. A man and a woman is the only situation where a baby can be naturally and biologically had. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important for us to understand that because... Outside of that, we get to the point where we, you know, we're talking about moral and ethical dilemmas. You know, should we support in vitro fertilization? I can't say that I'm I'm 100% sure on that one yet. Mm -hmm. Because if I do support it, well, then we can use in vitro fertilization to say that uh, same-sex couples can have babies. Um, but the, the, you know, surrogates, all of that kind of stuff. Where, where do we draw the line as Christians? What does our worldview tell us? And I think it's I think it's clear that our worldview tells us men and women in covenant relationship together. Yeah. Now, does that help an infertile mother 
or an infertile father who who is at a point where they can't have a baby, no, that does not help them. And I'm and and I realize the agony that causes. Um, you know, when I well, if I say something like I'm against a surrogacy, um, but but the the simple fact remains that two men cannot carry to term a baby naturally on with just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, and two women can, cannot do the same thing. It's, it's, it's impossible. And, and if you, you know, the, to add on to this, this whole idea of transgenderism, um, you know, when you, when you die, if you identified as a male, yet you were a female, when you die and they dig up your bones, they're going to say, here was a male. That's there. No, here was a female, mm-hmm. you know, just because you identify as something doesn't make you that thing. Right. You know, um, and, and honestly, I mean, I, and, and this is just me speaking from a, a scientific term, scientific way, people who are legitimately transgendered, and that would be specifically a hermaphrodite, somebody who actually contains both reproductive systems within their natural body, you know, to me, that is an actual real-life transgendered person, scientifically and biologically speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're the, but we're the ones who are labeled. You know, we don't believe in science. Uh, you know, I, I think it was Joe Biden had a tweet the other day that that something about you know, if you don't believe something, then you don't believe in science. And I'm like, well, and uh, several people tweeted back at him and they said, well, babies are humans and you kill humans, so that's science, <laughs> right? You know. Um, and, and it's just, you know, the the way that our culture has treated marriage in the last 40 to 50 years has been so flippant and so uh, unrestrained that this is, I mean, this is the box we've set up for ourselves. And, and I'll be 100% honest. I believe the majority of the blame lays with the church hmm. because the church did not stand up and say, no, this is wrong and we must stop it. Hmm. They didn't do it then. And so now we are having to face the repercussions of, of that and having to deal with, with what that has mm. brought down to us. Yeah. It's, it's too late to go back and, and, and have a stance now. It's, it's too late to come out and say that what has been done for the last, like you said, 40 or 50 years is wrong. Because then you're completely, you're saying that, and I mean, you'd be right in saying it, but you're saying that how people have lived their lives for the last 40 or 50 years is wrong. Yes. And why was it, why didn't you say why didn't we say anything back then? Why did we wait till now? Yeah. That's why we get the charge of hypocrisy leveled against us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not is it is it entirely wrong? No, it's not entirely mm-hmm. wrong. Is it some wrong? I believe it's a little bit wrong. You know, but yeah, I mean that's why we get uh hypocrites. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why we're called bigots. Yeah. Because we have said something we haven't said anything about it for years, and now that it's crept up into our own society in our own backyard. Now we're like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. You know, and then they're like, whoa, 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 you you hypocrite. Well, you know, why didn't you say something about it back then? Yeah. You know, it's it's the same argument against abortion. You know, how many how many times do you hear stories of pastors' daughters who got pregnant and what did they do? They drove them down to the local abortion mill and got them an abortion. Mm-hmm. Yet that same pastor will stand up there and say, well, I'm pro-life. Unless it's my daughter that got pregnant. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a fair charge, and we need to be willing to accept it. Yeah. 
it's an unfortunate place that the church as a whole has found itself in. Yeah. And and that's why that's why we are having these rulings on marriage and family that we're having now. And we're gonna talk about the family next week a little bit. But, you know, honestly, the you know, I, I keep seeing these these articles about, you know, Satan's way of destroying the church is to destroy the family. Yeah, he's absolutely right. And you know when he destroyed it fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. When we weren't even looking. Yeah. You know, we didn't think it was destroyed back then, but but that was the that was the crack that started the split. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so it is important for Christians to have a biblical view of marriage and to stand on that biblical view of marriage, right? Even if it costs you, and it is going to cost you, and and you know you can talk to um, professors at colleges and and leaders of institutions that are being singled out now because of their views on their Christian views on certain things. So that's a little bit off of marriage, but it still ties in that, that, you know, our, our view of marriage needs to be grounded in a, in a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it's not, then we have very, we have, we have a lot of problems, the more problems that we have to overcome. So, so I encourage believers to, to develop and know your, your biblical worldview on things like the marriage and family and, uh, spiritual gifts because it's going to be important. Yeah. Anything else to add? I don't, I don't think so. We didn't, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that we could, that we could, that Packer kind of addressed is the idea of divorce. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about divorce. You know, when it, is it ever right? Is it ever right? I mean, God hates divorce. Like he he says that he hates divorce. So to say, is it ever the right thing to do? Maybe after all other, um, if everything else has been tried, if you've tried reconciliation, if you've tried working it out with your with whatever you know, working through your issues, and the other party will still not change. Mm-hmm. But then even then, I would say maybe. Yeah. Well, the one clear example from Scripture for divorce is uh, infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, adultery. Yeah. That's the, that's kind of the one very clear-cut example of divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, that was what it, that's when it was allowed in the Old Testament. Um, that's when it was modified and allowed in the New Testament. Um and so, so you have the idea of of divorce or mm-hmm. of adultery being kind of this only grounds for divorce. Now, right. the the question that has especially come up in recent days is what is actual adultery? Because you could have physical infidelity, mm-hmm. and that is definitely adultery. Um, but what about emotional infidelity? Yeah, I mean, you or know, Jesus says to lust after a woman is to You've already committed adultery with her You've in your heart. So, <laughs> yeah how how far do we take that argument? How far are we willing to go, and how far are we willing to defend it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, I'm not here to, to say this is the hard line in the sand, but I think there is a case to be made for people who are emotionally abused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there may be a marriage, and I've I've met plenty of people who are in marriages that are they're not the person is not physically. Uh, in for in 
not, uh, infertile is not the right word. They're not having f- a physical adultery, but they're almost having spiritual adultery. They're mm-hmm. they're saying, you know, they're treating the person as if they has a they have abandoned them emotionally. Yeah. Um, you know, and and at what point where do you draw that line to say this person no longer is emotionally covenanting with me in this marriage Mm -hmm. the same way that somebody would physically not be covenanting with you is there a point where you can say at at an emotional point you know this has to be the end of the line right here yeah um because there are stories of of men abusing women women abusing men um i've i've got several friends who are divorced and and i don't think all of them are necessarily bad um, do I hate divorce? Yes, I still hate divorce, but, mm-hmm. but I'll look at 10 to 15 years later after this divorce and where this person is spiritually going, man, I, I honestly believe that divorce was a good thing for them spiritually. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I've got a friend who is divorced and he just got his PhD and, and is a regular teaching pastor in a church, mm-hmm. you know, but, but his, his divorce was one where his wife basically said, I'm emotionally done with this marriage and I'm leaving you. Yeah. You know, and, and he waited, he did his time. He, 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 he waited and he said, God, you know, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do this? And now he has uh, a wife, they have babies, they have kids. And, and, you know, he is a different man than he was 15 years ago. Right. So, so it's divorce is hard. Yeah. Divorce is a, I mean, I, I could not imagine having to go through that. Um, I've got, I think one family member, maybe it's I've got maybe a couple that have been divorced. So it's not something that's I've experienced like really closely and personally. We've had, um, my wife and I've had a, a, quite a few people from high school that we know that got married and then, um, ended up getting divorced. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not something that's, you know, rare, even with people my age, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of times you think of divorce, people getting divorced when they're, you know, when the kids are grown up or they, you yeah. know, or they, you know, they're empty nesters and now they're, there's nothing, they don't have anything in common. So they just get divorced and it's, that's not the case. We, we've got some, we have some people our age that we know that got married and have already been divorced. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it is a sad thing to see. It's, you know, like I said, I would. I married my high school sweetheart, so I don't know what I would do, you know, yeah. if, it, if, it, if something, if something happened, you know, if, if that, you know, I would hope, I hope nothing happens like that, but if it does, it's probably my <laughs> fault because I'm the head of the house. But, um, so it's, it's a scary thing to think about and it's really a sad thing to think about, especially when you look at, look at the, our churches today, there are so many people that have had a divorce that have have had, that have been through that that have been divorced and remarried mm-hmm. and and I do and I feel like there maybe there's a disservice done sometimes to people when a pastor gets up and says you know he, yes god hates divorce but there's never like a like a caveat to where but if you've been divorced god still loves you yeah like like yeah. it the the whole love the sinner, hate the sin thing, I feel mm-hmm. like that doesn't get applied to divorce sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we, we have definitely done that uh, because, again, a divorce is one of those uh, ugly things um, 
that that we tend to not talk about. You know, if if it's something that's vul- you have to be vulnerable, the church tends to not talk about it. You know, I couple divorce with abortion. You know, if if somebody got divorced, they were the topic of somebody's some lady's hair salon the next morning or whatever, and that lady was you know shoon out of society because she was divorced, or that man was shoon out of society because he was divorced in the church. Um, you know, we do the same thing with abortion. Oh my gosh, can you believe that Sally Joe's daughter got a, got an abortion? What terrible parents they are, you know. Um, but we, but we sh- as a church should still look at people who are divorced and people who have had abortions and say, you know what? It was terrible. Was it sin? Yes, it probably was. But that does not, that's not an irredeemable sin. Right. Christ still loves you. He still wants to redeem you. He still wants to, uh, you know, glorify himself through you. You are made in the image of God, regardless of if you've been divorced or not, regardless of if you had an abortion or not. Mm -hmm. And so, so we need to release some of our stigma, our personal stigma about it. Uh, the same way that we need to release some of our personal stigma about other, you know, other things and the way people have to get their lives together to come to the church. Uh, you know, here, here's the thing. Your marriage is probably just as terrible as the, as the other couple's marriage who are obviously flaunting their flaws before everybody. You know, you can, it's all on Facebook, you know, cause she's videotaping her husband running around the street like a madman or whatever it is. And she's posting it on Facebook. Well, guess what? Your sins just haven't been found out yet. Right. You know? And so, so instead of, instead of gossiping about that couple, find out what you can do to help that couple. How can you help bring restoration to that couple Mm -hmm. instead of, can you believe what Johnny and Sally did over the weekend? Oh my gosh. They went out and they had drinks. (gasps) They're going to get divorced. That's the logical (laughs) step. I honestly believe that's the way some people, some Baptists think about, about alcohol sometimes. They're like, he drinks beer. He's going to worship Satan next. But, you know, oh well. <laughs> oh well. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, uh, divorce is terrible. Um, divorce is is never a good thing. Um, but But sometimes God can even redeem the sinful nature of divorce and the sinful nature of our brokenness Mm -hmm. for his own glory. Yeah. And so, so if you're a person who has gone through divorce, uh, you know, we, we don't want you to hear any type of condemnation from us. What we want you to hear is that God loves you and he can continue to redeem you. And so, so put your trust and your faith in him. Yeah. God, Um, God wastes nothing. Yes. Any, anything that, we've experienced God uses for his glory and for our good. That's right. That's right. That's a good place to end right there. So Patrick, nice mic drop. If they wanted to find us on social media, uh, where would they do that? We are on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. Uh-huh. We are on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. Uh-huh. You can find us on Facebook just search Beers and Bible Podcast and look for our logo. And uh-huh. then you can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. That is the great places to find us. Uh, and until next week, we hope you have a good week. This is going to be like mid-June sometime. So it's probably, if you're in the South, it's hot. 
And if you're in the north, it's... I don't know what happens in the north in the summertime. I think it's also hot. It's also hot. Uh, so that's that's fair enough. So stay cool. Drink you a nice uh, ice-cold beer occasionally. Don't drink too much. Drink responsibly. And uh, until next week, we will see you later. Peace out. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.